The digital revolution occurring in the insurance industry is in the process of transforming it in many ways, including the way insurance is marketed and sold. As more opportunities and ways to reach customers open up, carriers must adapt and take advantage. That's resulting in a changing role for the traditional insurance agent, from one of salesperson to one more akin to a financial advisor. This relatively new emphasis on asset management isn't the only reason why life insurance must be sold differently today. The reason it's undergoing such a metamorphosis is because of how customers want to do business. Smartphone technology, the internet and e-commerce have all combined to allow purchases at the touch of a button. But insurance has never been something that many people actively seek to buy. That's why it's one of the few products that must be sold. Hence, the role of the insurance agents, a role that, as we'll learn shortly, is changing, along with the rest of the industry. You're listening to Ahead of the Curve, a podcast series produced by Gerent, one of the leading Salesforce implementation companies. I'm Chris Henry. In this episode, we learn from two experts, why and how insurance selling is changing. Don Vukovic is Jarrett's insurance practice lead and someone with a rich background in providing technology solutions to carriers, MGAs, and others. Michael Plazzoni is a former senior executive at both Kemper and Erie Insurance and also possesses a strong understanding of modern insurance technology. Don explains that life insurance carriers are finally recognizing that they must embrace and take advantage of the new avenues to customers that now exist. So life insurance, more than any other part, really started with feet on the street and really started with local selling uh, in communities to individuals, relationships and friends, and then move from there to build, build their book of business. That sales force, while still there, is a very expensive model to maintain, both the hiring, the management, the turnover, the change uh, that happens. And so that's why you see life insurers in particular grabbing this whole digital front as a new way in which to bring customers in where they are going forward and still maintaining some presence at the local community level. You know, it's interesting if we continue the before and after kind of analogy, there was really only one channel of distribution before digitalization, and that was via the agent primarily. Now that the industry is embracing digitalization more and more, that has led to omni-channel distribution. What is that looking like today? Exactly. So if you step back, you're right, it was agent, and then it became captive agent for those uh, organizations that invest in their own uh, agents to sell their product. And then the independent agency force uh, that sold quite a bit of other products. So you saw that distinction happen. Then you saw the distinction in the agency plan, specifically life insurance agents versus property casualty agents. So you saw this continuation of segmentation to get to the customers that want to buy those types of uh, products, a life insurance product. The other part, before we get to the omni-channel, is to understand how the product has changed over the years, over the many years. The the simple term that was mainly sold, where you're up front, you're paying for a amount upon death 
that happens to today's environment where variable annuities and the asset-based life insurance policies are really a forefront to what's happening really changes the game as to what an agent is and what a channel is. It's no longer selling just a simple, straightforward product. It's selling asset risk management, uh, risk protection as uh, over time through annuities. With that, the channel then started to modify. If you think, uh, go back many, many years ago, uh, annuities were sold through the banking system. Life insurance sold the term insurance. The regulations changed to allow that to modify. And with that, the channels started changing to be able to sell these financial life insurance type products, these annuity products, variable, guaranteed, uh, you name it, as well as bringing on new products and rolling off and closing out other products that aren't working. To be able to hit the customers across the board with these product sets, the channel had to change. The channel had to continue to improve. And that added a financial capability to the uh, world that life insurers are dealing with, that they bring in agents that have this financial asset management, risk management uh, understanding to their clients. So it now starts to incorporate financial planners as an example not just agents, but financial planners. Uh, you have your accountants and your bankers that are working with people on their financial assets and incorporating into that. You're having the big life insurance companies that have moved to financial uh, management companies and their agents right now uh, manage financial assets of their clients in ways that we didn't do 20, 30, 50 years ago in the magnitude we had. So that has completely changed. As we move forward, you look at if that's happening, we also as an insurance, as an industry have to then match the financial industry, the banking, the investment management side, and making sure we bring those tools, capabilities, and customer touch points to the customer and be able to compete on their scale. So the omni-channel then starts to show up, which is a fancy way of saying, meet the customer where the customer is. Mm. Touch the customer where, when, you know, where the customer wants to be in a manner in which they want to be, whether it's in person, online, through the phone, self-service, and make sure that it's managed so that the customer never has to repeat themselves over and over to the channel, which is by far the number one complaint to customers and prospects when they go into this process. Michael Plazzoni coins a term when he talks about how customers want to buy today. He calls it the Amazon experience. So I asked him if he felt that life insurance was delivering that Amazon experience to clients. Uh, well, unfortunately, Chris, uh, I believe the answer is a resounding no. <laughs> the uh, the life insurance sales and um, in the underwriting process, we've, we've seen incremental improvements over the last maybe five, 10 years in that process. But as an industry, we've not yet uh, what I'd call dramatically improve that agent and, and consumer shopping experience. And, you know, as an industry, we're being compared to an Amazon and other buying experiences. And, and the level of efficiency, convenience, and time savings, you know, is what today's customers are also demanding from insurance and their financial services as well. And, you know, what product or service do you purchase where you got to get blood and maybe wait weeks, months to even see if you qualify and at what rate? So, so what do you think is holding it back from, from happening faster, you know, that Amazon experience? Well, you know, I, I think there's two interconnected dynamics that are holding us back. 
you know, first it'd be how we underwrite and price. And then secondly, how we distribute and sell life insurance. So those, you know, of course they're interconnected and, you know, on the actuarial and underwriting standpoint, you know, from the pricing standpoint, well, yeah, I started as a prudential underwriting underwriter out of college in 1980 and exams and blood was ordered at high face amounts. And we had standard and table ratings. We didn't have this preferred rate uh, that we have today, but in the mid eighties, things changed. The AIDS scare caused carriers to start drawing blood at extremely low face amounts, which eventually normalized around 100,000 face. And now we now had the blood. So we started to do more and more tests with it. And that, that actually started a race to the bottom with the creation of these preferred rates. But the process now took a lot longer because you had more exams and attending physician statements being ordered to justify those preferred lower lower rates. So the preferred rates and delays in underwriting combined with what I just said, as well as the creation of universal life viewed as an investment product, that contributed to agents and carriers turning to more mass affluent consumers. So they all needed to make more money with higher phase, not term. And most carriers turned their back on the final expense and middle markets that the industry was really founded upon. So, you know, now we're in a situation where carriers are now trying to wean off exams with accelerated underwriting initiatives, uh, which unfortunately has not solved the uh, customer experience issue. So why hasn't accelerated underwriting had more of an impact for, you know, both the customer and, and the insurance carriers? Well, you know, the main reason is fear of the unknown, and that's a fear of the unknown for the underwriters and actuaries. And I could say that because I'm an old underwriter. Okay, I started my career as an underwriter. But, you know, if you look at the facts, only 20 to 40 percent of applicants that apply for accelerated underwriting. So they're being told, hey, we're going to try accelerated underwriting are actually accelerated. So that means 60 to 80 percent must go through traditional underwriting. So talk about a, a, a letdown, but it, it's really fear of the unknown. You know, if we do more uh, lookups of, of online data and, and, and whatnot, we're not gonna know the impact on mortality for years down the road. So underwriters and actuaries are very conservative to change and think about it. We've got an entire generation of underwriters and actuaries who only know preferred rates that are tied to exam and test results and point-of-sale decision-making uh, that uses online data, it's kind of an unknown factor. And it's going to, like I said, it's going to take years to know the impact. And in my experience, I found that underwriting guidelines, philosophy, and actual, actuarial pricing, they're not as aligned as one would imagine. So you've got that dynamic. And then you also have a lot of data sources out there now. You've got companies like Milliman, Exam One, TransUnion, LexisNexis, Verisk, Electronic Health Records, you name it. So, you know, from a carrier standpoint, it can be a little daunting as far as, okay, how, what do I, what's the value of one versus the other? And how does that now interfere with the way that I've always done it? So there's really a big opportunity for us to help carriers sort through and normalize that data and to help align the underwriting and actuarial with a new group, the data scientists who have kind of come on the scene over the last uh, five to 10 years. As life insurers and their agents become more and more focused on asset management and accumulation, along with retirement and estate planning, all viable avenues, by the way, for insurers today, they begin to encroach on territory traditionally the purview of the banks. But this still hasn't given insurers any advantage in acquiring customers for one reason. The banks already have the customers. They have the bricks and mortar branches and a strong online presence 
and people voluntarily go to the bank. So it's very easy to pitch financial advice to an existing customer base and lock up their financial assets further. Here's Don Vukovic. Exactly. Insurance is, is on the life insurance side, is outreach. It's all about outreach and it's about the pickup from the outreach to be able to manage and measure that and where are the effective marketing messaging uh, happening, where are the channels that are producing the most, how are they segmented by age of people that we're targeting, by the life points that they are, and then matching that to the channel in which they want to buy and maintain their service and do that effectively. Those are critical, as well as when you go into this environment, another change through the channel is the point of sale. If you think about that, that has truly changed from the old underwriting process. Before we uh, underwrote the products, it went through a long process. Then we added fluids to it based on some of the disease management that was happening so that we can assess the risk of those policies and those those organizations and those people. And now we're going into how can we automate through AI and other technologies, the underwriting to do upfront underwriting, to manage the risk, point of purchase type capabilities, which pushes that customer buying decision back out to the front of the customer if uh, they meet certain criteria based on what we've put out there. And having that be consistent across all the channels becomes a major task and a Herculean effort by the carriers to understand the journey that their customers are taking from prospect through the actual uh, becoming a customer and how many times they're assessing, researching, investigating, starting the process, stopping the process, coming back in, and how the marketing aspect fits in bringing them into the market. So when you think about it, very simply, this omni-channel approach that is now prevalent and driving much of the revenue coming in the door, the carriers need to be able to manage that effectively to be able to have those customers actually buy the insurance that they're selling versus dropping off through the channel. And that could be time frame, that could be the experience that they're expecting uh, isn't there, That could be ease of use, effectiveness, and being able to manage them across the platforms that they have in place. This is a major challenge for carriers and distribution partners that is occurring today that needs to be resolved and is working hard. Investment is going in there. While insurers grapple with the best strategies to deal with an omni-channel world, they also have to guard against disrupting their agents' businesses, according to Michael Pizzoni. They have to find a way to successfully align sales and underwriting to give the customer the best possible experience, drive premium revenue, and do both without negatively impacting the agents. Yeah, this has been uh, this has been an issue for a while. There's a couple couple pieces here, and you've got the threat. The, the direct to consumer and omni channel are really viewed as a threat to the traditional agent distribution, and so. Carriers have to be, and they have been careful not to disintermediate their, you know, their existing distribution. And, and so you've got uh, some carriers who might go th- work, you know, partner with an insured tech, for example, to experiment and keep the direct-to-consumer omni-channel at an arm's length from them. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, the real question is, and you know, I, we don't have an answer: Is life insurance bought by a consumer or sold 
by the agent. You know, mm-hmm. that's the, kind of the age old question. And, and I'll give you an omni-channel best practice. Okay. You've got an agent, you know, that has a consumer, maybe start on their website and then have an agent or other carrier resources available to help as needed. But in the journey, in that journey, the missing piece for many carriers is the ability to make decisions at the point of sale. So, you know, you've got that dynamic. Then as far as the underwriting and actuarial needing to be aligned, you'd be surprised at how many companies this isn't as closely aligned as, as you, you'd think. The underwriters assign mortality for risk rating and actuaries are, are, actuaries are usually looking back from a pricing standpoint. So we need to almost deconstruct those preferred rates to look at what information can be obtained at a point of sale so that you can make a decision now maybe based on a a higher rate. So there's a trade-off of those online data components uh, and what the cost is versus what's the mortality slippage if I I don't get this. And and to give you an example here that I think is very important is carriers had to take a leap of faith 35, 40 years ago when we implemented preferred rates. And what do I mean by that? You know, we said, okay, we're going to collect this blood and we're going to do the tests and, you know, well, what's it worth if you're, th- this result is, is better or worse than another? So what the industry did is use the, what's called the Framingham Heart Study that you may or may not have heard to develop like the blood pressure, height, weight, cholesterol, family history type of things. Mm-hmm. So that was a, you know, something that they could hang their, their hat on to justify those super duper you know, preferred rates. So they didn't know for certain the full impact on mortality. But that, you know, Framingham study was was what, you know, we as an industry hung our hat on. So now, underwriting and actuarial partnering with data scientists need to determine what we can hang our hat on for instant decisions on product and price at the point of sale. So we can give pre-approved offers, you know, at the point of sale. Because in an omni-channel world, you know, direct-to-consumer omni-channel, you have to have that more immediate uh, gratification. And the key, I think, is to focus on how to accelerate the smaller face, maybe a less than a million, less than 500,000 uh, face amount. And, and you, you, you compare that to the average face amount sold last year was just under 170,000. You know, so, so there's, there's really opportunity there to make the process simple and easy so that a consumer, an agent, or call center agent can do it mm-hmm. and make the process simple enough that anybody can pick up to uh, where the last person left off. So if the consumer needs help, you know, being able to, uh, you know, have the agent or a call center agent seamlessly pick it up. So at the end of the day, we've got to understand those target consumer and their needs and then match them with the product and, and don't lead with product like we do today. For carriers to achieve what Mike has just described, the ability to quote, bind an issue in near real time, they'll have to turn to technology platforms like Salesforce Industries Insurance to do so. In addition, they should consider other applications like Salesforce Marketing Cloud to supercharge their prospect messaging. Here's Don Vukovic. It is with these tools that uh, Salesforce has and these capabilities that you're able to customize that customer journey or that customer experience to the target set of customers you're looking for and being able to leverage those capabilities like Marketing Cloud to create that prospecting message be able to track that prospecting message, measure the prospecting, and being able to refine it and go back out there, find out when and where the lead may have fallen off and why. That's a huge capability on top of gathering the customer data and the prospect data uh, that is standard in a CRM style model like Salesforce. 
Now you're adding on a whole set of uh, marketing capability that can handle the omni-channel distribution challenges that carriers are having today. So that's significant when you look at a platform to be able to grow upon, to be able to execute in a cost-effective manner, being able to manage bringing in the flow of new clients that you have, being able to understand the uptick of when people are buying and what are the key messaging uh, components or the key aspects of the product that are driving their buying behavior and being able to then go back out to market and grow from there. Michael Plazzoni also believes that technology solutions like Salesforce can be of real benefit to carriers. He cites what happened during COVID when life sales took a big jump. Last year, life insurance sales increased with with COVID. You know, became more more aware. There, a lot of times, in when there's pandemics or disasters, you know, people are are more attuned to it. And there, there's something called the MIB Life Index. It ended up 2020 up four percent year over year from the prior year, and that re- represented the highest year over year annual growth on on record. And the growth, it's interesting. The growth was largely driven by zero to 44, so you know, younger folks which is different than uh, what had been done in the past where it had been primarily 60 plus. So what happened is there were many backlogs, there were backlogs in many underwriting shops that didn't don't have STP. And uh, there was an Overica uh, research study uh, done uh, first quarter of this year, and it found that only 34% of life insurance transactions are going straight through processing. So what that means is, you know, in this case, 66% of transactions weren't straight through with, you know, a lot of backlog. You know, I guess the best way to look at it is one continuum so that at the point of sale, okay, you can triage to instantly determine what products and prices that a person qualifies for before they complete and sign the application. And if not, then send them on the right path to either accelerate without fluids, blood, maybe an APS, or um, full traditional underwriting with fluids. But like I said, we've got to have a integrated technology to deliver this so that you know, the, I mean, if you think about omnichannel, the consumer needs to be able to do business with you how, when, and with whom they want to do business. And yeah, yeah. you need that to keep them fully engaged. When it comes to hunting for new prospects, an old method is making a comeback, but this time wrapped in technology that makes it extremely powerful. Affinity marketing has always offered rich ground for prospecting. But whereas before it was targeting groups and organizations with broad brushstrokes, today, with the vast amounts of data available, insurers can fine-tune their targeting even more. Don Vukovic again. It really is around aggregation of customers around hobbies and interests, if you think about it. And they're meeting the people in those organizations and understanding the behaviors and the propensities that the customers have, prospects have to actually buy, and then messaging and monetizing the product set that way. So when you look at people that are more apt to travel in RV, that lifestyle, uh, the type of insurance needed, as we would say, for a home or mortgage may be a little bit different you know, from a life uh, side. They're more into asset management, experience management. How does that fit? And so these groups then are starting to utilize their buying power to go to markets like the insurance segment, the life insurance segment, and describe to that group the characteristics of what they want to buy the characteristics of what they're looking for that now carriers have to modify their products to be able to tap into that marketplace. 
And technology allows those organizations to aggregate those customers with these distinct hobbies, those communities, if you will, and manage them in a way that offers buying power to various organizations. This is uh, something that in the world of that we live in, social media, you find these groups you know, coming together very quickly, finding a bond and finding a consistent view of what they're looking for, which from a life insurance carrier standpoint is effective if I know that group is very consistent in what they're looking for for products. I can tailor my product set a bit and my underwriting specific to the risk classes that are in that group and have more uplift and actually ability, you know, the actual quote to issue uh, ratios can go up significantly and lead to issue, which helps reduce overall cost. So you're finding these targets uh, growing. You're also finding organizations utilizing their customer base and providing these capabilities. The simple uh, example would be warehouse clubs uh, in the U.S., such as Costco or Sam's Club or other large organizations that have a significant amount of customers that come and buy from them. They're going around and going to the carriers and saying, look, I have this customer base. I know the profile of it. I know what they're looking for. How can we aggregate that and part of my buying club and you have you insurance carrier have access to sell your products into that and therefore make a fee. Mm -hmm. It's a win-win for everybody that's involved. So you're seeing more of that aggregation of customer starting to show up and then allowing distribution channels to come in and sell their product set. But it's not all product sets. They're very finicky and picky as to what they're selling into their market. When carriers, their agents, MGAs, and wholesalers look at the vast amount and power of technology available today that can deliver what Mike Plazzoni calls the Amazon experience, there's every reason to embrace it fully. Solutions that can streamline front and middle office processes, turbocharge marketing messaging with laser-like precision, and deliver an optimum experience for the customer are a win-win for all concerned. The Salesforce and Salesforce Industries platform combined provide one of the most holistic cloud-based platforms to be able to leverage capabilities into this channel through the CRM and tracking a customer, adding in the marketing cloud to it. The community cloud for servicing groups that are very similar together and making sure that they feel that you understand that group very uh, well and you can interact all the way through the actual transaction that is critical to make sure this all works, that we actually bring a prospect to customer, get it issued, get the payments in a way in which is seamless to them, no matter which channel they choose to go from. That full complex set of actions and capabilities integrated into a cloud-based platform that is easily implemented, managed, and maintained for the go-forward world and technology that we're used to, uh, starting to use, is far beyond what most software companies can bring to the table for these carriers and the issues that they face. On top of that, I haven't even brought in the ancillary parts, which are the ability, uh, as you talked about, the AI capabilities, the Einstein capability they have, the Tableau, the ability to use analytics in a way and build models that can be effective and brought into that transactional process to be able to more effectively 
spend the marketing dollars on the right channels to get the highest lift possible and be able to then track the retention on it, which is also very critical to the break-even points so that we're targeting people that will be with us longer term. Those are capabilities that now are, have carriers have access to in a broad way through Salesforce and the Salesforce solution set that it brings to the table. You've been listening to Ahead of the Curve, produced by Gerent in cooperation with Salesforce. Our thanks to Gerent's insurance practice lead, Don Vukovic, and Michael Plazoni, a senior executive and now a consultant on insurance operations technologies, for their insights and expertise. Our technical producer is Dave Grine from the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto, Canada. I'm Chris Henry. Thanks for listening.